Welcome to our continuing 2017 educational webinar series. I'm Catherine Short, Partnership Marketing Specialist for FIRST Healthcare Compliance. At FIRST Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business, a hospital, hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company, or skilled nursing facility. As part of our complimentary educational webinar series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. We are so pleased to have Tina Colangelo, CEO of Colangelo Consulting. Tina is a one-on-one -on -one VIP style consultant for healthcare for health service organizations as well as physician practices. She has a strong working knowledge of MACRA and MIPS and has invested a substantial amount of time and effort to fully understanding the new rules. By deciphering this new labor-intensive paradigm and untangling the web of CMS's endless rules and regulations, Tina helps strategize on which track is best suited for your practice, not just for now, but in five to ten years as well. Tina studied under organizations in California that have been doing this successfully for a long time now. This experience is your asset as she has gotten her physicians a lot of incentive money year after year. Tina is a true professional, a leader in this industry. Her strong knowledge of healthcare trends coming around the corner can help take your medical practice into the future. A copy of the slide deck is available for download on the control panel. Feel free to submit questions in, into the question box on your control panel during the presentation. We will address questions at the conclusion of the presentation. Your PACOM CEU certificate will be emailed to you from PACOM following the broadcast. There is no need to request it. Additional CEU opportunities will be available to BC Advantage members following the live broadcast. See their website for details. Tina, go ahead. Well, hi. Thank you, everybody, for showing up today after Thanksgiving. Uh, holiday. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm battling a little bit of a cold, so, um, but I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad everybody's here, and let's just get into it. So, macro MIPS and APM is a new era of medicine. It really should say Medicare, because this is definitely the new era of meta Medicare. So, we are definitely in a paradigm shift as the healthcare community. We are all coming out of the fee-for-service headspace and doing our best to shift our mindsets to now meet the needs of this value-based care um, world. Keep in mind, the overall goal is to have a patient-centered healthcare system. That's the goal. So in order to do that, we have to get physicians and clinicians, uh, patients to change their behaviors. This is not going to be easy, but there are a lot of tools out there that will definitely help us along the way. We're all in this together. This is a brand new this is brand new for all of us. I know there's a lot of office managers that have been office managers for many, many years and have seen it all. This has definitely leveled the playing field and it's it's completely different. We're all in this together. That's all that's the only thing I can say. Okay, so basically we need the physicians to take accountability for keeping patients healthy, and we need patients to take a proactive stance in their health and well-being. So again, not going to be easy, but I think with a little creativity, we can do this. Um, the takeaway from this webinar is to understand the moving parts of MACRA. So, yes, we have all of the um, requirements 
that we need to understand, and there are a lot, but there's also other moving paths parts that we have to balance, the moving part of the clinician reputation or the hospital's reputation, the moving part of the patient engagement, that's another moving part. And then we have the chronic care management that honestly is the foundation that helps bring those moving parts together. So if you get anything from this webinar, um, I know some of you have wonderful knowledge, extensive knowledge in MACRA. This definitely is a basic um, more of a basic um, macro and MIPS, but I do think that the redundancy does help. Um, but the takeaway is the moving parts. Just that's what I really want everybody to get. That not just the requirements that everybody's so focused on, it's the moving parts. Okay, so important terms to know. Let's learn the language of value-based care. Um, I'm clearly... I'm not going to go over all these terms, but I will say that what most people are get confused about, and rightfully so, is the qualifying APA, APM participant and the partial QP APM participant. So qualifying participant in an APM is eligible clinicians who perform 25% of Medicare Part B services in an APM and percent of patients in an APM. They have to meet that threshold. If you do meet that threshold, you're in an advanced APM and you're not MIP. So that's the whole point. And then the partial QP, this is where it gets really dicey. Um, they're not required to they're not required to report MIPS data, and they won't be subject to MIPS adjustments. Although they can opt in to participate. So basically, if you're paid under an APM with incentives and losses, you get to choose to participate in MIPS but you're not eligible for the 5% bonus. This is the um, like ACO track one people that I'm talking about. Anyway, the point is, is the important terms to know, those are the two that get confusing for people. Okay, so the reason we are in value-based care reimbursement is because fee-for-service is not patient-centered. I mean, how is it patient-centered for someone to go to the ER and have to wait four to five hours just to see a clinician? It is emergency. This is, this is just one example of how FIFA service is just fractured. Um, in 2013, unnecessary healthcare costs reached over $7 billion. The FIFA service business model was based on CMS incentivizing physicians for the volume of services they performed and even encouraged them to order more and more tests and procedures. Um, I know this sounds, listen, I'm not CMS. I'm just giving the information, so I know it sounds like it's flip-floppy, but yes, are we partly here because of CMS, in my opinion? Um, yes, I will say that, um, but we're here. Uh, the results were spending more to treat patients without much improvement to their health. I mean, healthcare costs are at an all-time high. So today with the baby boomers, they're living longer because healthcare has come a long way. There's a lot more that we can do to keep people uh, living longer, there's phenomenal um, breaks in technology for that. And the statistics show that 68% of senior citizens have two or more chronic care conditions. We definitely have a sick nation, so we have to move from sick to healthy in order to decrease costs. A patient-centric business model is the way now. We need to drive behavioral changes in our providers and patients. We absolutely do. This is why it's such a this is why it's such a shock to everybody's system because again, we're coming out of the FIFA service world where it was all and now we're moving into quality. 
So it's hard. It's hard, and we have to use our staff differently. We have to get new tools. It's 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 this is a huge thing. So if anybody's confused and can't get their head around it, you're actually it's actually normal. Okay, so the theme of value-based care has emerged because CMS is paying more for sick patients. Again, I just made this point. This makes absolutely no set sense for patients to pay more and still be um, sick and for CMS to continue to dish out money and not getting any, <clears throat> not getting the best patient outcomes. Meanwhile, I know that they're some of the cause of it. Uh, so now instead of paying more for additional tests and procedures, physicians will have to accept financial risk for patient outcomes. So this theme of value-based care has emerged. Everyone receives 5% lump sum bonus to participate in the APMs and advanced APMs. This is why it's important to know the QP status. Also, advanced APMs are incentive payments, while MIPS is performance-based payments. So um, we'll cover that in the webinar. And just as a side note, CMS estimates um, the number of clinicians in advanced APMs is expected to double from 2017 to 2018. See, that's why we're going to talk about the push. You're going to hear me say throughout the whole webinar, this push. Every, they want everybody in the advanced APM, CMS. They want you to take on the financial risk um, for the patient outcomes. Um, they don't want to pay on, on their own anymore. They want everyone in advanced APMs. That's why they're incentivizing the clinicians to um, give them 5% bonus to, to join, to sign on. Okay, so what is MACRA? And again, forgive me if this is redundant. MACRA is the new healthcare legislation that was signed into law two years ago on October 14, 2015. It's the only bipartisan legislation in almost a decade, which I thought was interesting. It stands for the MACRA Access Chip Reauthorization Act of 2015. And what it did was it replaced the sustainable growth rate formula and it created the quality payment program. It did other things, but um, regarding like the child's insurance, the CHIP, but that's not for this webinar. Okay, so the sustainable growth rate had physicians facing a 9% penalty to their Medicare Part B payments, whereas physicians are only facing 4% penalty if and only if they don't participate in the QPP which I hope everybody is. QPP is definitely a welcome change in, the, in, in that aspect. However, the requirements, once the requirements were clear where physicians found out that they were going to be judging their performance, they, you know, they definitely weren't too happy. That's not to say that they would go back to the sustainable growth rate, but, um, you know, here we are. All right, so the ultimate goal is to deliver quality care at a lower cost. So the goals of the quality payment program are to deliver quality care while decreasing cost, to improve beneficiary outcomes, to enhance clinician experience, increase adoption of advanced APMs, maximize participation, improve data and information sharing, and ensure operational excellence in program implementation. So I will say that, def that CMS is definitely holding true to their goal to enhance the clinician experience because pick your pace is definitely proof of that. It, in the beginning, the, it, when the proposed rule for MACRA came out, it was everybody had to hit 100 points. So that means a lot of people right now in this moment would be facing penalties. So they, they do listen to your comments, and I encourage everybody to continue to make their comments 
when they have the comment um, sessions because they, they are listening. They definitely listen with the virtual groups as well. So I wanted to make that point. Okay, so the QPP has two tracks, really three tracks to choose from. You have the advanced APMs, the APMs, Medicare Incentive. This is really the first track, and again, because they're all pushing everybody into taking on more risk for patient outcomes. And the APMs, I will say, are definitely more patient-based. They're patient-centric. ACOs, the accountable care organizations, they're all... Um, they're, they're all centered around the patients, which is why, honestly, it's in, to this day, they're successful. The MIPS um, is really the second track. It's only popular because all clinicians qualify. It's only the practice before everybody gets pushed into the advanced APMs. And then the MIPS APM, that's like the track that's in between the two. Um, you can move in between the two, um, and you receive special scoring for participating in an APM, such as the um Medicare Shared Savings Program, ACO Track 1. All right. So the QPP has two reimbursement tracks. Um, the MIPS combines um, PQRS, being for use, value-based modifier, into one program. Programs, um, the, the programs didn't really go away. They just broke them down into categories, which I'm sure um, it's a reminder for or review for many of you. They're in the categories. Um, they're the categories now to be scored in. Um, so CMS will calculate a MIPS composite performance score to determine reimbursement if it increases or decreases. And it's the score is based on the four performance categories. So instead of pass-fail like in the past, it is now you'll earn points for, some, for submitting something. So it has gotten better. It's gotten better with that aspect, and it's gotten better that there's not three programs you have to follow now. It's only one. And if you were performed well in PQRS meaningful use, you're pretty, you're, you're pretty golden right, right now is, is what I've been seeing in the field. And it's budget neutral, which we all are very well aware of. And the alternative payment models, they're the innovative payment models that if clinician qualifies, they receive the 5% bonus. Clinicians can opt out of MIPS, that's the perk, and ACOs, patient-centered medical homes, and bundle payments are examples of APMs. I created um, this visual because I felt like it was helpful in the learning process because there's just too many, <laughs> there's so many different things and terminology getting thrown around, different payment models that I just wanted one clear visual um, to show you, so I hope it helps. If you notice on the visual, it's definitely bottom heavy with um, the APM routes and how it <laughs> trickles off into other avenues. So, um, and then there's MIPS at the top. But some people are doing better in MIPS than they would in, you know, the APM. It depends on your strategy, it depends on your resources, it, it depends on a couple things. But um, I wanted to show the visual in any event. Okay, so this visual shows payment adjustments throughout the years of MIPS. So I'm going to take MIPS first in the um, program because most of you are in MIPS. Okay, so again, CMS made 2017 the transitional year to get everyone on board. That's that's why they came out with Pick Your Pace. Um, unfortunately, though, Physicians kind of shot themselves in the foot, I feel, because there's not a lot of money to be made now because of the pick your pace um, in 2017, because many clinicians are going to avoid the penalty. 
So some of the clinicians, when this came out in the final rule, were really mad because they already set up their offices to get the 100 points, and that now that's taking out of their incentive money because, again, it's budget neutral. So there was definitely mixed feelings about that. But in any event, this is the way it went. And just to be clear, um, the performance year is 2017, and then the payment year is 2019, and then the performance year is 2018, and then the payment year is 2020. I, did, I don't think I made that clear, so I wanted to make that point. Um, yep. Okay. So the MIP scale is 0 to 100 points. This is one of the moving parts I, was, I spoke about earlier. Clinician reputation or public reputation for the hospital. Um, okay, so in MIPS, every clinician will be reimbursed on performance based on a composite performance score. CMS has made it to 0 to 100 scale on purpose because it's easy for the patients to understand. Just by this visual, which clinician would you go to? Take it into account you are what you're paying for in your health care. I mean, this is the, the point of the slide is, I mean, it's a no-brainer which one you would go to. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't mean that he's really a quality or she is a quality doctor. I'm just saying this is a purpose. This was done on purpose, the 0 to 100 scale. Because there's 100,000 clicks per day from patients looking for doctors, specialists, and hospitals to go to. And 10,000 patients sign up for Medicare a day. So clinicians are going to want this business. That's why... Um, they're going to want to get high scores on top of their reimbursement. They're going to want to get high scores for their reputation. And CMS, by the way, is going to plaster their scores all over physiciancompare.gov, the commercial insurance websites, and even Yelp is going to have your scores. So unfortunately for the physicians and the clinicians, their score will follow them around for two years. It's... um. They they definitely made made it um, difficult. I feel for the clinicians because they're supposed to be taking care of patients, but I guess that's that's a different webinar. All right, so the scores will be bumped up against the performance threshold. In 2017, the performance threshold is set at three. Each year, CMS will set a new performance threshold based on previous performance. So definitely expect this to go up, and we'll see in 2018 that performance threshold goes up to 15. Um, it's don't panic because it's definitely still easily attainable to get, you know, to avoid the penalty, but that definitely is going to go up. Um, each additional point above the patient, uh, I'm sorry, the performance threshold earns higher incentives and each point of the final score is that is below the performance threshold incurs proportional penalties. So each point translates directly into higher or lower reimbursement. We know this. Uh, CMS sets an adjustment factor at the end of the year. Yeah, because they don't really know exactly, they, they anticipate, but they don't know exactly how everybody's going to perform. Um, but yeah, that adjustment factor should be interesting when it comes out. So obviously, if you get zero points, you're going to get the 4% penalty. I mean, if you don't participate at all, uh, 3 to 69 points will earn you um, avoid the penalty and small incentive. Thank you. Take your pace. And then 70 plus points avoids penalty and earns you a moderate incentive. And I will say this, I've seen offices already anticipating 70 plus, so it's definitely attainable for everybody, not just large organizations. Okay, so here are the percentages on each performance category. 
So do you see how, or just notice how quality and cost continue to move closer to each other as the years go on? Again, the overall goal of QPP is to deliver quality at a lower cost. So perform better by keeping your patients healthy brings the cost down. That's the that's the gist of this whole entire macro thing. Um, definitely watch the course now. I will say that people aren't watching their course, and they're gonna get they're gonna get dinged in 2018 and even worse in 2019. You have to know which patients are um, costing you the most. And I, I know I know um, some of the definitely the office managers know which patients are expensive. We we definitely have to come up with creative ways to help them. It's so important because cost is gonna is is gonna start to it's gonna become a, a huge factor like how quality is. So we need to watch our cost now. Definitely get your hands on your um QR UR reports. That definitely helps a lot. All right. So when does the quality payment program start? Well, we're on uh, we're in November to, November twenty eighth. It definitely started on January 1st, but I will say this, and I'm laughing because it's it's definitely it's still not too late. That's that's the beauty of this. It's still not too late. Um, so while I've been thankful for the uptick in business since October 2nd, I just wanted to make a point that um, you only had to start to submit your – you only had to start your activities on October 2nd if you didn't already. Because you, that was the last 90-day set of the year. So I know everybody panicked about, oh, I have to start, you know, right now. No, because there's a little misconception, but quality and ACI can be handled retroactively. So you only had to start doing your, technically, you only had to start doing your activities on October 2nd. Because that was your, that's the last 90-day set in 2017. So I just wanted to make that clear, and also this even clearer, that March 31st, no matter what, no matter when you started, March 31st, 2018, for everybody, have to have your stuff in. I'm sure we're all well, well aware of that date. All right, so here's Pick Your Pace. What can I not say about Pick Your Pace? This has been, um, it's very interesting what people decide to do and how their strategies turned out with this. All right, so obviously you do nothing. You get a penalty. Submit something was, what is, I'll say is, is the most common strategy in 2017 to avoid the penalty. Um, it's the most cheapest strategy. Just report one quality measure on one patient via claims. And the um, American Medical Association, the AMA, also launched a campaign called one patient, one measure, avoid the penalty. So yes, I understand why people do this, submit something, but it's not going to help you while all the other offices are doing 70, they already have 70 or more points. They're anticipating that. So I'm just saying that, yes, I understand why people went into it, but it is also a competition that you just don't take your eye off the ball. That's all I'm trying to say. The 90 days, um, Strategy is just do your best to gain an understanding of the performance before 2018. If you want to, if you want a chance at some bonus money, though, this is the option for you. You had again, you have to start submitting your data on October 2nd for um, improvement activities only. 
um, quality. If you have the right resources, quality and ASI can be pulled retroactively. It just it just needs to be 90 days of evidence with the improvement activities. Full year is still going strong. You can still get it all. You can still on this date you can still get 70 or more points. That I can definitely tell you. 2017 is the easiest year to get 500 million, and I encourage you all to still do that. You're not out of it. You're definitely still in it. Um, I think it's the best option to get ahead of the competition. And again, if you remember. Um, with the proposal, everybody was supposed to get 100 points. So it has to be attainable. And it's still attainable to you now, which is my my biggest point um, of saying so. So one tip is work with your vendor to, they can, all the resources that you have in place so far, use them. They can help you find your best 90-day set. You don't have to do this alone. They ask them to find the, the best 90-day period that you had the most patients in your numerator. I mean, it's that simple. All right, eligibility in the quality payment program. When this first came out, there was so much um, around this. So, yes, you have to have 30000 in Medicare Part B charges and have 100-plus patients. I can tell you um, so far what I see is ophthalmologists can make a ton of money in MACRA. Um, and all the eye stuff that they bill. I've been seeing um, gastros do well. Okay. I don't have to go through all that. All right, so eligible. Okay, so you have the physician assistants, um, your clinician, your, cl your CSNs, your CRNA, nurse practitioners, anesthesia assistants, they're involved, and the pathologists. These poor pathologists, they're all confused. Um, they're so confused because they don't have an advanced APM to go into. So I want to say that the people who are not eligible is the audiologist, um, the certified midwife, clinician psychologist, clinician social worker, occupational therapist, physical therapist, registered dietitian or nutritional professional, speech language pathologist. Now I realize these people are all in PQRS. I believe, I'll do some forecasting, that they may jump in in 2019, but they're definitely not in MIPS right now. But... If you do not meet the low volume threshold, you can still practice without being penalized. I am not crazy. I know people are probably grumbling right now, but that's the best option. That's what I would do. If I didn't have to do it, I would just practice. So then it, when I became eligible, I would jump in fresh, jump in right in with the competition. Um, CMS is working on an opt-in option for those who um, want to volunteer to, to report. Again, it would get you great experience needed for the future years of the program. I mean, the program's not going away. So if you are a clinician that don't meet the low volume thresholds, here's the window, 9-1-15 to 8-31-16, and then they took another window, CMS took another window of 9-1-16, 8-31-17. If you didn't meet 30,000 plus 100 patients, you're not in it for 2017. And then clinicians first year of Medicare, you're not in it, excuse me, and clinicians who are in the advanced APMs don't have to do it. Now, I'm sure everybody knows that if you just go to the um, quality um, qpp.cms.gov website, you just put your MPI number in, and then you'll know if you're in it or not. Okay. So this is reporting 
deciding to report as an individual or a group has been the biggest this has been the biggest question I've gotten in the field because there are definitely many ways around it. It depends on a lot of things. Um, so this is definitely the biggest question that I get. So first, you have to make sure that you're eligible. They even send out letters at the end of May to every um, TIN. If you're an eligible clinician who participates at more than one MPI or TIN combination, you need to make sure you understand MIP status for each combination. So just because you're exempt from one combo does not make you exempt from the other. So I just wanted to say that. Also, if one MPI TIN combo is reporting as a group and you are individually exempt, you are in MIPS, unfortunately. So you definitely need to understand the eligibility status, especially the nurse practitioners and the um, physician assistants. So again, just go to qpp.com.gov and search by your MPI. Um, so <laughs> I can see why it's confusing for everybody. It is. It's very. This is very confusing. This isn't. This isn't cut and dry. So if you're individually reporting, you're going to do the single MPI ties to a single ten. You'll report all of your performance data as an individual, and then you can choose the following submission methods, claims, um, EHR, data registry, qualified clinical data registry, and then the individual gets the plus or minus payment adjustment. Um, and I will say that um, statistics are coming out that 84% are using the EHR option. But again, there are some challenges with that as well. Um, you need to really be ask very specific questions with your EHR, but that definitely is the most popular route is the EHR. All right, if you're reporting as a group, groups of clinicians identified to the MPI sharing a TIN. So the group reports performance data as a group, and you can cherry pick. So if you know you report, you have to report quality all of the categories, not just one. And then your reporting submissions are a little different. You could do EHR, data registry, excuse me, qualified clinician data registry, and the CMS website, of course, for the 25 plus people, 25 or more clinicians. And then the group gets the payment adjustment. So again, the takeaway is to just know your eligibility. All right, so MIPS quality performance category, most important category um, in MIPS because it weighs the most, the, MIP, the, the quality, your, your score and quality will definitely make or break you. That, that definitely is the truth. Um, but the beautiful part of it is that people who did the PQRS and did it well, you know, this isn't, new, this isn't so much new news. Okay, so it's worth 60% of your score, and you need, you, know, you need to pick six out of 300 quality uh, measures. One has to be an outcome. If you can't find an outcome, you pick one um, high priority or specialty set. You have to do 50% of data completeness, except if you do claims or web interface. Um, if you do not meet the 50% um, on 50% of your Medicare patients, that you still earn points. Remember, it's not pass or fail. Submit anyway. That is definitely, a lot of people, some people are having trouble meeting their data com, um, completeness. That's why I'm bringing that up. It's not pass or fail. Submit your measures anyway. Measures will be on a 1 to 10 point decile scale. 
And then you get bonus points for providing extra outcome or patient experience measures, again, because one of the goals is to um, drive better, you know, have better patient outcomes. And one patient for other high priority, I'm sorry, one point for other high priority measures. So high priority measures, definitely submit them if you have, if you can find more than the one that's that's um, qualified. And then one point for each measure you do end-to-end -end reporting via EHR, registry, QCDR, or the web interface. So you can get a point for that. That's important too. Um, okay, so there are some things to keep in mind when selecting your measures. It's, it's, all right, so select measures that apply to your specialty and review those measures against what you previously reported for PQRS. That's important. Definitely review your past performance and let it help you in 2017, 2018. Always review your past performance. Um, compare your past scores to new 2017 benchmarks. Again, compare the scores to the new, that's super important, number two. And be mindful that the same measures could have up to three different benchmarks. This gets so confusing, and I don't mean to laugh. It's just I don't understand how I don't understand how you guys are all supposed to know this. That's that's the um, crazy part. Okay, so for some measures, data can be reported three different ways: through administrative claims, EHR, data registry. Whereas some measures require data to be reported in a specified manner, like registry only. I've seen that. So if you pick a measure and it's only registry only, well then now you have to you know do a registry. It, it does go back to strategy. It do, you do need to take some time. Understand that the measures that you selected to report for PQRS doesn't mean that they're going to be beneficial to you now because I'm seeing a lot of offices make that mistake. They're just doing the same status quo, tweaking their office here and there, and using the same measures, whereas they could be getting so many other points if they would basically open their mind and and look at the other measures, take some time to look at the other measures to see. It's all about getting the points. You have to get the, the most points, and, and some, of, some of them are missing the mark on that. They're just using the same measures that, that they were PQRS because that was good, but they're not understanding the whole topped-out measure concept, which I don't even know if I have time to go into. Um, and they're not understanding that your performance better be 100% in those measures, but that's not that, that'll carry you through 2017, but not 2018 because the bar continue to raise. So the measure selection is a huge. You just need time with it. That you just need time to really select the best measures with the resources you have. That's all I'm saying. Definitely, I don't I don't suggest that strategy that I've been seeing. I'm just pulling it along the same. Thing. So let's just take the tobacco use as an example because I've seen this measure um, over and over, and it's actually um, it's actually good for a lot of works for a lot of offices. So this measure you could see um, can be reported through claims, EHR registry, QCDR, um, and in this chart we see the benchmarks vary depending on the data submission method. See, it matters. So if a clinician wants to report through claims, the maximum points that he or she could get is five points. But if the clinician reports through the EHR or registry, they would receive more points for less than perfect performance. See, that's what I was just that's exactly what I was just talking about. So just know that this is just for this example. <laughs> There's other cases where <laughs> benchmarks favor claims. I, that, that, there are. So um 
know your benchmarks, know your past performance, and just take time when submitting the measures. That's, that's, that's the whole point. Um, favorable benchmarks. Ensure that you have at least 20 patients for a measure. Um, there are more points. Definitely, um, I have seen that people submitted on only 19 patients for a measure, and then you won't get that many points. You'll only earn three points. So this is where pick your pace comes in. So if you pick your participation pace 90 days, just make sure that you have your best 90-day set. If you're working with the QCDR, they should be able to tell you, based on the data you're submitting, what your, ba you know, what your base 90-day set is. I said that already. Um, where, you, where the most patients are in your numerator, and then you submit that to CMS. You got to watch those benchmarks. They're, they're super tricky, and I'm not even, and I apologize, I can't even put in the top-down measures in this presentation. Um, Okay, let's, let's jump to improvement activities. My head's spinning, and I know this. I can only imagine how you all feel. Okay, so this is the newest performance category in 2017. And this is where CMS is going to introduce everybody to start engaging their patients and um, patient safety, patient satisfaction. So this is them creeping it in so to speak, which is why it's such a new category. So you must, it's 15% of your score and you have to report on four improvement activities. They're, each activity is weighted 20 points um, for high and medium 10 points. There's 94 activities to pick from and I will tell you there's only 14 high weighted in 2017. Small practices only have to report on two um, improvement activities because they only need 20 points. And if you are in a patient-centered medical home, you get full credit. So you don't have to even do this because it's already built into the patient-centered medical home. Um, yeah, okay. So tips, improvement, tip, improvement activity tips, excuse me. So there is no system for submitting um, improvement activity data. It's the honest system for now. But they did come out with um, suggested documentation. Um, I can give you, if you email me at tina at macroconsultant.com, I can give you the common activities that I've been seeing in the field and the suggested documentation that goes with it. Uh, CMS just wants you to keep medical records, charts, reports for 10 years in case of an audit. I mean, that's nothing new to a medical office. They do that anyway. And you must do the activities for a 90-day duration. Yes, that definitely is true. Has to be 90 consecutive days. And in 2018, just so you know, you can do the same activity that you did in 2017. There's no rules against it. Just a little heads up. Improvement, more improvement activity tips. Um, if you are submitting as a group and one provider is doing an activity for 90 days, well, then the whole group gets credit for that, cat for that, uh, yeah, for the improvement activities category. And again, the full credit in, um, in the category for the patient-centered medical home, and I believe I have that, yep. I have, if you are in any of these, um, you get full credit for it. I'll leave that on the screen for a second. So improve activities and pick your pace. If you if you pick your pace, test page, which is submit something, and then you pick a medium weighted activity, it's only worth 7.5 points. See, nobody tells you this, but this is written in the law. 
it's only worth 7.5 points. So you have to make that those points up um, some other way. I don't want anybody to be blindsided by that. Advancing care, the old um, meaningful use. Let me just do a time check. All right. All right, so it's worth 25% of your score. So let's say that you get a full 6% in quality and you get full 25 in ACI. That's 85% of your score. So if you didn't do any activity or start, you know, the improvement activities by 10-2, don't worry because you still, you still got 85% of your score. The strategies and stuff of this, the takeaway is I don't want anybody to think that they're out of it because they didn't start on October 2nd. You're definitely still in it. Definitely um, submit your performance data. Um, all right, so this is basically the old mean view. So now a lot of people are um, used to this and are going to do well in it. So you attest yes to having one patient enumerated for e-prescribing. Okay, so... Four to five measures, though, that depends on your um, your cert. So a lot of people have 2014, and I know 2015, if you um, upgrade, I know a lot of my offices are upgrading 2015 now because they want to get the 10-point bonus in 2018. So um, that's why there's four or five measures. So it's e-prescribing, provide patient access, Health information exchange, request accept summary of care, and uh, send summary of care. If you don't do a security risk and and you do the base um, measures I just um, said, you get zero points. You have to do the security risk, um, and then you have to at least do the base measures, and then you do the additional performance measures that you can find on the QPP website. All right, so it is, ACI adds up to 155 points, but if you don't hit the base, again, I just said that, um, you get zero points in the category. So it's base 50% plus performance points up to 90% plus bonus points up to 15%, which I'll discuss in a minute. So 100 or more points in ACI. If you, if you get more than 100 points, if you score higher than 100, you still don't get... The additional points. It's just I don't I don't understand why they did that, but you only get the hundred points. Just to be clear, um, so here are the bonus points, which is up to fifteen percent, five percent for participating in a registry other than the immunization registry. So um, you see there on the screen, if you participate in any of those registries, you will get five percent other than immunization, and then ten percent. We're using CERT and improvement activities. And I have a list if you want to email me at scanner at macroconsult.com for the full list of improvement activities that you will get 10% bonus in ACI. Um, they actually, for 2018, they have added more activities eligible for this bonus. So that's good. And definitely up in the ante for 2018. That much I could say. So keys to success in the advancing care information is make sure you are using the 2014 edition technology. Again, 2015 edition gets you the 10 extra points. Um, I know some of my offices have definitely gotten the 10 extra points for 2018 now, but I will tell you that the process was um, not as easy as I thought. So you just may, you just may need time for 
the upgrade. So just a lot of time for the upgrade is all I'm saying. So hopefully you attested to the Mean Fuse 2016 because you'll see what you're making in 2018 and then become best friends with EHR. Um, again, that's, that's the most popular data submission um, method is the EHR. And obviously because... They invested so much in the EHR system already, so why wouldn't they use that to submit their performance data? All right, so how are we going to get all of our, this is a little overview, how are we going to get all of your performance data to CMS? Um, this is just a visual to show you your reporting strategy options and data submission options methods for individual and group. I wanted to show um, a price comparison um, with each method to help help you make decisions if you were considering using a data registry or a QCDR. This is what I've been seeing. This these prices of what I've been seeing. Um, they will charge the EHR vendor. Are, they are charging for your upgrade to 2015. Um, a certification and they are charging for the security risk but that's no surprise um qcdrs they, i like the qcdrs because they help monitor your performance by giving you performance reports they give you performance reports at least twice a year and that help you could take that report and decide which measures are best for your practice based on that report so they basically kind of eliminate the administrative burden of doing that so that's why I, I like them the, the most. And there's a lot of measures that are in the um, qualified clinical data registry. It's not like it's not a lot of measures in there. A lot of people are picking, um, there's a ton of measures in there to pick from. The, the, yeah, I, I will say so far, they are my favorite for that reason. I, I'm all about reducing the administrative burden because I was an office manager myself and I know the ton of work that's already expected of you and then on top of it this whole new thing that we've been discussing for the last hour it's it's a lot it's overwhelming so anything that's going to relieve that burden I'm definitely all for um okay so alternative payment models they are the new approaches to paying for medical care through Medicare that incentivize quality and value the CMS Innovation Center develops new payment and uh, service delivery models. Yes, it definitely comes out of them. Those people are brilliant in that center, and they're the ones who come out with these cockamamie <laughs> payment structures. The models can be addressed, can address a specific condition, care, episode, or population, and they may offer significant opportunities for eligible clinicians who are not ready to participate in the advanced APMs. So ACOs, bundled payments, and patient-centered medical homes, they're examples of um, APMs. I'm sure we all knew that. All right, now this slide is my least favorite slide, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because it's a, it's, a, it's a webinar in itself, in my opinion. So I'm going to try to explain it. Um, let me just try to explain it. So the MIPS APM world... If you are interested in advanced APM but do not come close to the patient thresholds, you are still in MIPS, but you receive the special scoring for being in the ACO. And you need to make sure with CMS that you are on this participation list. 
you have to be on this list or you will re you have to, or you will be reporting you have to report standard MIPS. So these the people on 12 and 2 are the ACO track one clinicians. Just you have to make sure you're on that list so you know if you're in the special scoring or if you have to do this if you get scored on improvement activity. No, I'm sorry, not not improvement activity. If you get the special scoring. That's so important because some people think they're on the list, but they're not. So um, uh, some the score for you, if you're in the ACO, your score is with the entire so the entire ACO gets that score. So this goes back to the public rep reputation uh, moving piece. Just know that you you don't get an individual score. It goes by the ACO. I believe the ACO score. If a clinician reports individually MIPS and is still in an ACO, I'm almost positive the ACO score trumps the MIPS score. So again, it it depends. You have to know your status, um, which is why this slide is honestly so confusing. Um, and, and then you can see where the APM scoring standard applies to the um, following payment models, comprehensive ESRD care model, Medicare shared savings program tracks one, two, and next generation ACO, CPC plus, and the oncology. Here's another thought. Any clinician who joins your ACO between September and December 2017 is not in the APM, they're in MIPS. Because I know a lot of clinicians move and they change. Just know that you've got to be aware of when the clinicians are coming into your ACO and when they're leaving. And there's going to be a lot of this throughout the years too. Um, people moving from one hospital to other, where's their MIPS score? Where's their scores following them? The scores definitely follow you. Just be aware of who you're taking into your organization and what their score is. So, but... This changes in 2018. This whole thing about who joins the ACO between September and December, it, it, they're changing it because people are people are complaining about it. So I'll do another webinar on the final rule 2018, and I'll explain that better. Um, let me get off the slide because it makes me nervous. Okay, so clinicians, just be aware of this. Um, if you're an ACO, if the ACO is reporting MIPS data for you on your behalf, which makes me very nervous because I feel like you need to have control over exactly who's reporting your data because it has to do with your reimbursement, make sure that they're truly reporting for you because there was um, reports that came out that many clinicians have received um, penalties to their 2015 PQRS data due to the ACO telling them they were reporting for them, and then they didn't. And the ACO didn't get the penalty, the clinicians did. And this was thousands and thousands of dollars. The clinicians were pissed. So um, I do always advocate for the clinicians to learn how to report on their own just so they know how to better make their strategies. Again, it's not just for 2017, it's for 2018, 2019. So um, just don't let this be you because I don't want to see anybody get an unnecessary penalty, especially if they thought somebody was reporting for them and they weren't. So here's a guide on how to ask your ACO, ask your ACO the following questions. Uh, how well versed are they in the macro law? Because it changes all the time, um, which is why I have such compassion for the healthcare community as a whole. Who's going to stay on top of this? Um, how well do they know their requirements? Who is keeping up to date with all the changes? Yep, there's retiring measures, adding new measures, newly developed APMs. This is coming all the time. 
um, who is ensuring reporting methods are, are effective? How well are others within your group doing? Again, know who's in your group. It can make a difference in your score if people in your group have low scores. Those are just some questions definitely to ask your ACO. And don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to ask them. Advanced APM track. So it's not a question of if. It is actually a question of when you're going to take on the risk. By 2018, 25% of clinicians will be eligible to earn APM incentive. That's a whopping 12 million Medicare beneficiaries will have doctors and payment models in which focus on, on high-quality care, lower cost. This will, um, this will obviously show healthy outcomes. And remember, the goal, one of the goals of the QPPA is to increase adoption into the APMs. As we discussed, this is really the, this is really the first track. So we're moving away from fee-for-service and financial risk with Medicare for patient outcomes. Physicians take on the financial risk. I believe it's 8% to be exact um, in 2017 and 2018. The patient outcomes they to take better care of the patients and to reward high quality low cost clinicians. The perks are you're excluded from MEPS and you receive your five percent lump sum bonus and you also receive a higher physician fee schedule update in two thousand twenty six. Yep, they're just gonna keep throwing money at you to incentivize you to join these um, advanced alternative payment models. And I realize the threshold, which I think I'm gonna get into in another slide. The threshold, they're opening up the thresholds as well so that this is possible. No surprise there. Okay, so building additional APMs. They are constantly building um, additional APMs. To date, there's this other payer advanced APMs coming out in 2019. So that's other payer advanced. That's all your commercial insurances now are going to make APMs. And Medicare Advantage is dying to get into this um, value-based care, but by law, right now, they can't participate in the advanced APMs, but um, they've been hounding CMS to let them come in, so be on the lookout for that. I don't want to go through because of the time. I don't want to go through all the tracks, but um, they continually build on these additional APMs while everybody's seeing patients. They don't realize how these other APMs are popping up, other choices for them to join. Okay, there's a threshold, 25% payments um, through an advanced APM and 20% of patients seen as APM. That's the threshold I was talking about. They're going to open that up. And, of course, in 2017, 7 to 10% were only, um, they were the only ones that could qualify for the advanced APMs. And in 2016, 25% of payments are through value-based um, care. And I know that the health plans and value-based care, 52% of their businesses um, will be value-based care in five years' time. It, this is, it's just, um, that's coming out of the Department of Health and Human Services. 50% of Medicare payments, the alternative payment policy. Yeah, I said that already. So this is definitely the trend, and I thank everybody for coming on the webinar because you clearly have a clue on what's going on, and you should definitely be successful because you're getting a jump on it now. All right, so the keys to success in value-based care in 2017 and beyond are uh, strategic planning, obviously. Uh, and, and again, that can change. That can change from year to year, you know. Um, it doesn't mean you stay with the same strategy. As more and more tools come out to help you and as things change with the law, 
strategic planning is always um, at the forefront. Meaningful, ongoing education, of course. Um, optimize technology. And again, this isn't just true for 2017. This is definitely true for 2018 as well and beyond. So strategic planning, take a hard look at the current state of your organization, at your organization's end goal to help craft the plan. And don't be afraid to ask questions. You guys are very knowledgeable. You guys are in this. You guys are on the forefront. You have great ideas. So hospital leaders, ACO administrators, drug vendors, how risk averse are you? And how risk confident are you? Goal of the QPP is to ultimately push clinicians into taking downside risk in value-based programs. I said that throughout this whole entire webinar. Um, many will fall on the, the advanced APMs. They're going to push you. MIPS was just to get you warmed up. And then the, if you saw, if you saw um, the, the ACO track 1 plus, that comes out in 2018. That's the bridge between, by the way, that's the bridge between MIPS and um, the advanced APMs. So um, be on the lookout for that. So the meaningful ongoing education. Education for MACRA should be tailored, accessible, and continuous. The program affects staff across clinician, uh, clinical, financial, and IT departments, but their, excuse me, but their concerns and focus will be different across each department. So education needs to be ongoing due to complexity of MACRA legislation and is still evolving as CMS reviews and optimizes it in the initial years. I mean, everybody knows that at this point. So the other moving part of MACRA is the patient engagement. In addition to the program affecting staff across all departments, the patients are at the center of every value-based program. Working with your patients is key. No one knows your patients better than the office managers, Get creative. Don't be afraid to get creative. En engage your patients. Call an Uber for your patient if if you if you have to. Trust me, it's happening. The offices in the Midwest they're they're coming out with these Uber programs. It's working because there's millions of dollars wasted on patients who can't get to the doctor because they don't have a ride. Uber is the key. Just utilize the telemedicine. Send birthday cards if you have to. Engage your patients. It's a different way of 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 caring for them. Optimize your technology, of course. Meaningful, accurate data is key to the success on the macro. Make sure you're coding to the highest specificity because that definitely comes into play here, um, especially if you're working with the QCDRs because if you, when you give them all your data, if you're giving them crap, then you're going to get crap back. You're going to get inaccurate reports. So make sure from the jump street your coding is up to par. Clinicians need to carefully track their score and reporting to see if any improvements need to be made before CMS submission date 33118. QCDRs can help with that. And again, MIPS is a national competition, so clinicians also need to keep track of, of, of the competition. Wait till you see when the scores come out. That's going to be people, you're going to see a whole different world once everybody starts to see scores come out. Right now, they're anticipating their scores going into December, but once the scores come out, uh, it's, it's going to be mayhem. Providers need to perform above the national average to avoid penalty. Tracking is essential. Don't just track every couple of months. Track weekly, even daily. I'm telling you, I know of organizations that are doing this already, and they have scores of 70 and above. You have to track it. If you can't track it yourself because you have a ton of work to do, make sure someone else is tracking your performance for you. I'm telling you, it's going to make a complete difference. Uh, we're almost out of time. Um, what do I want to say in this? Okay, what I want to say with this slide is if you didn't do well with macro setup in 2017, don't panic. 
just get on board for 2018 because quality has to be reported full year in 2018. It starts on January 1st, 2018. So um, that's what I want to say with that. Here are my recommendations. Definitely submit more than six. Um, since CMS will take providers top six plus the program compares scores nationally, so providers may have done well on certain measures in the past, but not so well compared. Yup, it all depends on the past performance. Go ahead and dive in as quickly as you can. Do practice runs to see where the problems are, and then define your reporting period and make it at least 90 days. Staying on top of education is paramount, and MIPS is a national competition, and clinicians need to keep track of their score and where the competitor is. And the chronic care management, I only touched upon this very briefly, but I have YouTube videos on chronic care management. Chronic care management will finance your macro setup um, on top of put more money in your pocket. Don't overlook this chronic care management. Um, email me at tnrmacro.com for more information on that and, and those codes. And here's what I offer. I offer education. I offer assessments. I'm, I'm, I'm booked with assessments, um, but I will definitely try to fit you in. And it's all about restructuring the staff to meet the needs of value-based care instead of um, fee-for-service. So any questions, please don't hesitate to uh, contact me. I'm on YouTube, Twitter, and um, I get a lot of questions off of YouTube, and I give a lot of free information on YouTube. So don't uh, definitely don't be a stranger. And I appreciate everybody listening. I'm trying to rush. That that concludes it for me. Okay, thank you so much, Tina. Um, I think we probably are just about out of time. So, um, so any questions that come in, um, attendees, you can go ahead and contact Tina directly at her uh, at her email there, or um, so use the feel free to use the contact information on the screen for questions. Or um, if you send us any questions, um, we'll be sure to uh, forward them on. Um, and you can register for any future webinars um, or request a demo of our compliance solution on our website at firsthcc.com or call us at 888-543-4778. And thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much, Tina. We appreciate you um, uh, offering us this webinar here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, you too.